the Movies to Watch Before You Die podcast. My name is Gab. I am here with my co-host Dylan. And today we are talking about a movie that Dylan has declared one to watch before you die. And that is Hot Fuzz. Yes, I'm hoping that today is going to be the first one that we agree upon. So we'll see. We'll get into it. First, though, I think we should do what we normally do. And Gab, what's this movie about? So this movie is about a police officer who is too good at his job. He is embarrassing the other police officers that he works with in London. So the large police department sends him to a very small village in order to get him out of the way, uh, where he discovers that there is a lot more going on behind the scenes than most of the villagers know about. I think that was a very good description, a very good Thank description you. also without spoiling anything. Yeah. Which if you have not seen this movie, do yourself a favor. And I, I'm, I feel stupid saying it, but I'm like, shut off this podcast. Shut it off right now. <laughs> Go watch. Do the movie. not listen further. Yeah, it is yeah. phenomenal. I think we'll see if Gab agrees with me. But I think that this movie, this movie is slightly over two hours. It's literally, I think, like two hours and one minute. And I, I think there's not an ounce of fat on this movie. Yeah, um, I would agree with that. I think there is nothing but plot movers. I think that it is very funny. There's a lot of like very good repetitive moments where they kind of like refer to things that have happened before uh, callbacks, if you will, which I love. Um, I think that um, Edgar Wright, is that his name? Correct. Okay. I keep wanting to say Edgar Allen, uh, wrong guy, but um he is his style is just so unique it's so good um i think he has an incredible visual presence um if you're familiar with any of his other movies personally i love um scott pilgrim versus the world i know he did shawn of the dead correct uh shawn of the dead he just did last night in soho he did um baby driver which yeah, i haven't yeah. seen last night in soho but uh, all of those other movies i i would highly recommend any one of them yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's his style is very unique, right? It's almost like lots of quick cuts, lots of like cartoonish um, feeling vignettes. I would describe them. What about you? Uh, yeah. Vignettes, montages. And that's something I definitely want to comment about on this movie, because he. This movie is obviously a satire of action movies, much in the vein that Shaun of the Dead is a satire of zombie and horror movies. And what they managed to do with both of those movies is not only be a satire of the genre, but be an excellent film in that genre. Like this is an excellent action movie. And when you think about it, there's very little action in it really, but they, they do such a good job of shooting things that are minute, uninteresting, but doing it in such a phenomenally interesting way that it, it yeah. elevates it. Him doing paperwork becomes an action montage every time he has to do it. And yeah. it is both funny and interesting and it it turns something that in the hands of another filmmaker would be dull or something that's just cut past and it's turned into something that instead feels very detailed and worthwhile yeah yeah i think that's fair i i i, I like the way that you describe that because i love the visuals Phew, sorry i know you're gonna Bless say you. that you're gonna cut that out but i know you're not going to um, if i didn't cut me you. out coughing i'm like i'll definitely forget to cut this out too <laughs> just an editor's note i i totally heard gab sneeze and i have chosen to leave it in so let it be known i did not forget to cut it out i chose not to cut it out <laughs> it's fine i thank you sorry i sneezed um i 
I, I think that's a really good way of phrasing what happens in these films. Um, he really makes the uninteresting and the mundane very interesting and visually pleasing. Um, I loved the characters. Obviously, I think we're going to get into that. And I loved the way that it so unapologetically called out the movies in the action genre that it is playing upon. So he they they reference Bad Boys 2 a lot. They reference um, Point Break, is it? Point Break, which to be honest, I, I didn't see Point Break until after seeing this movie. And I was like, man. I'd never needed to see Point Break because this movie tells me the only things that are really, really interesting about Point Break in my mind while doing it better again. Yeah. And yeah. I I've, I guess I always saw it coming in Point Break because that line has been engraved in my head since I saw the trailer for this movie where Nick Frost's character, Danny, says, have you ever fired your gun in the air whilst going, are? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I... I really appreciated it. And and I don't know that while I was watching it, I understood that it was a satire of an action movie, which is silly, right? Like, obviously, it's a satire of an action movie. But I, I thought of it only as an Edgar Wright film. Mm -hmm. I didn't think about what he was trying to do and what genre he was trying to play. I'm Like I said, I'm not super familiar with his movies. I know Scott Pilgrim. Um, but I, I enjoyed it. I, I really... I'm trying to think of like anything negative I could say about this movie. And I'm sure I'll turn that over to you at some point, because obviously you're the <laughs> one who's seeing this for the first time. But yeah. I think this is a movie that has only gotten to me better over time, because this is a movie that I remember seeing this in theaters when it came out in 2006 or 2007 and rewatching it now. Let's see, 16 years later. It feels much more prescient because they're obviously, you know, we're not going to get like deeply political about it, but. So, you know, so much about the cops now is stigmatized about how they are really just there to uphold the status quo or, you know, the bad guy says we're going to make Sanford great again, which they had no idea yeah. what that would mean at the time, but it obviously means something now. Yeah. And Nicholas Angel, which is the main character, Simon Pegg, is literally perfection as a police officer. He's exactly what you wish every one of these people would be. And obviously he has a problem that he can't switch off. But he never does anything that is morally wrong, ever. Yeah. There's one moment where he's describing his childhood and why he wants to be a police officer. <laughs> and I think I had forgotten about it because it cracked me up. And he's talking about how his uncle was a cop and gave him this bike. Uh, not this bike, a pedal car, whatever the hell a pedal car is. I think it's like, yeah. you know, the yellow and red, I think, little little toy car. But it was a pedal yeah. car police car. And he says he found out that Uncle Derek was a dirty cop who probably paid for it with drug money. And he says, I never rode that pedal car again, but I never <laughs> forgot what it meant to me to be in that pedal car. And it's just so stupid and such like a throwaway gag. But it also gives such meaning to this character, like because there's not a lot of talk about their past. Just we know he's great. He's great and yeah. you can't switch off. But you really don't need to know more than that. Like, you, you don't need a deep exploration of what made him the way he is. You just need know that he is perfection and he just needs to be a little less perfect. He needs to be a little yeah. more human and a little less robotic because he's basically Robocop at the beginning of this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I thought the character was so interesting right away. They touch a little bit on his love interest or or ex-love interest where he was engaged to someone and, and she left him because he couldn't stop being such a good cop. 
yes, he he just couldn't switch off. And even when he's at the crime scene talking about the relationship, he notices uh, he notices something about the crime scene, and he can't help but do her job for her. Yeah, which yeah, cameo in that moment. Do you know? Did you notice who that was? I don't know why you would. No, it's Kate Blanchett playing the totally in hazmat suit girlfriend of Nicholas Angel. Oh, that's hilarious. And there's a couple of. There's one more little cameo like that that I wanted to point out. Um, in the beginning of the movie, he gives a montage of these operations he's been incredible on and every his commendations. And it talks about him being injured in the line of duty when he was stabbed by St. Nick. And we see the Santa Claus stab him in the hand. Yeah. And it's a throwaway moment. But do you know who Santa was? No. Academy Award winning director Peter Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god how random i guess you know i guess he's friends with edgar ray but i i guess he suited up as santa claus to stab simon Pegg. that's so funny i had no idea i don't think i'd be able to to pick him out in a lineup honestly it's not something that you know even knowing who it is now it freezes on that moment and like you can't even tell it's him so i don't yeah. know why it's there but it's just like a cool thing that once i knew it i was like oh that's it just makes it more fun and i will say you know we got to get into more characters in a minute, but one of the things that I always stress that's important about, you know, these movies to watch before you die is rewatchability. Yeah. And to me, there's very few movies that are more rewarding than this to rewatch because I know you've only seen it once. Presuming you didn't love it so much, you went back and watched it immediately. That's okay, <laughs> though. But every time I watch this movie, I just notice more and more details, whether it just be in something in the background, whether it be in something that the characters are saying, whether it be in another one of the actors and it's just i love watching a movie that is that way that it, it you know the first time you watch it it's good and then each time you watch it it somehow finds a way to be better even though you yeah. know about it yeah yeah absolutely i think my favorite thing about the movie was um danny uh the lovable goofy overweight sidekick um I think his character was by far the best. Obviously, I think it is maybe arguably the most satirical character. Um, but he just like goofy is a cop because his dad was a cop, like enjoys wishes he could see the action, but kind of just enjoys sitting at his desk. Um, loved his character, loved their relationship. This is in many ways, it, you know, it's an action movie and it's a comedy, but it's also in many ways a romantic comedy between the two of them. Yeah. Because the two of them by the end have fallen in love and I love it. <laughs> they great, are, yeah. they are adorable together by the end of this movie. Yeah. You know, I, I they have so many moments where, you know, he, I, I love, there's a moment towards the end where Nick tells Danny that he said a cool catchphrase type line before he knocked somebody out. And he's like, you're off the fucking chain. You know, <laughs> I love like the the fun he has with Danny and the fun Danny has with Nick once they both start to break each other out of their mold, so to speak. Yeah, because he actually does make Nick into a better police officer, certainly. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, excuse me. Oh, my God. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Uh, Nick makes Danny into a better police officer while Danny makes Nick into a better human being, I guess. Yes. Yeah. And, and the foil between them is, is wonderful in that sense. Um, and obviously they start out like, I mean, their first interaction, Nick arrests Danny for being, uh, publicly intoxicated or, or drunk a full driving. DUI. Yeah. yeah <laughs> he almost yeah. runs him over. 
he, so he, I mean, in the beginning, you're like, oh my God, I can't believe it. And then, you know, they've got to work together. Like, it's just, it's, it's such a buddy cop sort of situation between the two of them. Now, that said, I'm going to cut right to it. I really liked this movie. I don't know that I need to watch it again. Wow. I already think you're, you're doing yourself a disservice if you don't watch <laughs> it again. Because like I said, each time you watch it, you're going to notice more and more about it. But why do you feel that way? Well, I think that in many ways, um, and and I wonder what the root of this is, right? I wonder if this is sort of like, I have a background as a performer and you have a background in more like film uh, in general. I love a movie that I feel I can connect with personally. And while I really enjoyed this movie and I like the story, I like the characters, I loved the visual aspects. I think it was a great story. It made me laugh. I was never bored. Um, I just don't think it spoke to me in a personal way that makes me feel like it's a movie that I needed to see before I die. First of all, I got to say I'm devastated because I was coming into this today and I was like, you know, I feel like normally between our other episodes, we have texted more like maybe about like, oh, I just watched it. And this time I was like, I don't I don't want to know when she just watched it because I'm like, I was going into this with like, this is going to be it. This is going to be the one that we fully agree upon for sure. And I'm, I'm yeah. going to be honest, I'm so disappointed right now. I'm sorry. And you have to understand, it's not that I didn't like it. I thought it was great. But to me, it like. I don't think I love that action movie genre enough. I don't think I love the um like the the sort of gory like horror um like I don't know whatever you would call that genre where like there's a lot of like murdering and like dead bodies and stuff. Um that it also, I think, is a, a satirical take on. Um, I just, to me, it was it was a really good movie. I really liked it. If it ever came on TV, I wouldn't turn it off. But I don't think that there will ever come a time where I'm like, I've got a couple hours to kill. I'm going to put on Hot Fuzz. Oh. I don't even know what to say. <laughs> I really don't. I, I, I am devastated right now. It's just, it's so good though. It's so well-written. It is so well-performed. And I, I guess I, I can get what you're saying from the standpoint of, you know, I don't think there's an emotional depth in the sense of relatability to the situation that they're in, but I think anybody can relate to the situation when it feels like, you know, you never turn off and you're just work, work, work. Like, sure. uh, you know, there was a time in my life where I was working two jobs and I felt like I was just, you know, I would see my wife for like an hour to an hour and a half a day. And it was just work, 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 work. And so I feel like I can kind of understand that, although he was more voluntarily doing it than I was. I was just like, I have to work, work, work. But I don't think it's entirely unrelatable. But also, I think the. For me, the hilarity of the jokes, the brilliant visual storytelling all makes it worthwhile for me like i don't know I, I i think there's just so many gags in this movie that crack me up and i still like you know i'll quote them with giselle or i'll quote them with my brother and you know i can't tell you how many times i've gone but he had one thing that you'll never have 
a great big bushy beard. You know what I mean? It's just, <laughs> it just stands out in my head so much, this movie. And I'm so surprised to hear you say, you know, I can, I can agree with the lack of relatability, but I feel like everything else rises above it. Like, you know, if I look back on Indiana Jones, I can say, okay, Dylan, there was probably some nostalgia there that makes this great for you, but you can totally understand why it's not great for somebody else. But I, I, I cannot agree with you on this one. I cannot understand it on this one. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. And now you have me thinking like, maybe if I watch it again, I just, here's the thing. I think there are a lot of movies that I really enjoy and that I would be happy to watch. Like if I were hanging out and somebody said, Hey, let's watch hot fuzz. I don't think I'd be like, Oh no. Like I don't want to, I'd be like, yeah, absolutely. But I just don't think that I will ever be in a position where like I want to watch again. So uh, this is entirely unrelated, but you know, uh, did you watch Game of Thrones? Yeah. So I very recently decided that I was going to rewatch Game of Thrones and that to me, not relatable at all, right? Like there's no part of Game of Thrones where I'm like, oh yeah, well, I've, you know, been murdering people to try to be, you know, the king or whatever. Um, Certainly not relatable in their direct actions. I'm sure sure. some of the emotions can be relatable. Sure, sure, sure. But, you know, I wouldn't call it more relatable than Hot Fuzz. Um, But if there's something about it that I just love so much that like I'm excited to watch it for a second time. Um, and it, it pull, it called to me like, God, I got to watch that again. I got, you know, I gotta, I gotta see it again. I'm sure there are things I missed. I'm sure there are characters that I didn't fully understand the first time I watched it. Mm-hmm. And for this, it was kind of like, I feel like I got it. I feel like I get the jokes. It was great. It was good. I wouldn't say no, but I'm not like, wow, I'm going to watch that movie every year for the rest of my life. Now, obviously an eight season long TV show and, you know, a two hour movie, it's different. But I do think you would find that if you went back and rewatched this movie, there would be so many things that you did miss. Not in the sense that I'm like, Gab, you idiot. Obviously, you couldn't see what they were saying. But I'm like, there's a lot of depth there in the fact that there's so many clues that you don't realize are clues. Yeah. Now, it's funny. Did you decide to watch Game of Thrones again before or after this? Before and it it cracked me up because I had absolutely no idea that this was a, a movie with like any British people. So I went directly from Game of Thrones into this and they were using British act. Obviously, they had British accents. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, my God, I can't I can't get away from it. Well, and this movie is filled with people from Game of Thrones. Oh, I didn't realize that. Uh, the first person, Michael Armstrong, the guy who goes Yarp. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hound. He's yes, the hound. yes, 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 yes. Um, then you I have thought he looked familiar. I was like, I know this idiot. Jim Broadbent, who is the actor who plays uh, Frank Butterman, you know, our chief inspector. He was one of the maesters at the Grand Temple or whatever it's called. Oh, yeah. Um, Give me just a second. I know it. Yeah. There's one more. Okay. Oh, the guy who has the sea mine and the entire collection of weapons. Yep. That's Walter Frey. Wow. And I uh, I want to say that there's one more even. Oh, well, I guess it's technically not Game of Thrones. It is House of the Dragon. But okay, one of the Andes. Seen it yet. Don't spoil it. Well, it's not a spoiler to say this. One of the Andes uh, plays Viserys, the king, uh, oh. in the new House of the Dragon. So I was like, man, that's a lot of connections to that wow. universe. Well, in fairness, I only, I've only rewatched the first six episodes of season one. So a lot of those people aren't in it yet. But um, Besides the hound. Uh, But that is, that's really funny. You know, 
let me, I'm trying to think of like how to explain this to you. And I, I don't want to disappoint you. And I, I want you to understand how much I like this movie. Well, it so, sounds like you're, yeah, it does sound like you're saying, you know, I, I'm not taking offense because you're saying you definitely did like this movie. I definitely liked it. So I, uh, I try once a week uh, when we watch these movies to get Corey involved to watch with him. Cause a lot of them, he also hasn't seen and mm -hmm. he hadn't seen this one. And so I, I got to a point where I was like, listen, I don't have time to wait for you. Like I got to watch this movie. I got to talk about it. So I watched it without him. And now I'm thinking, okay, if this weekend I, he was like, I really wanted to see that I would watch it with him again. No question. But if he doesn't bring it up, I wouldn't necessarily like it wouldn't be like, oh, my God, you have to see this. I think it would be worthwhile because I do think comedy more than any other genre is better to be watched with another person. Yeah, you know what I mean, I'll it's always that. more conducive yeah. to laugh with another person uh, than watching the movie by yourself, because I yeah. feel like it's it's harder to generate a laugh sitting there by yourself than it is when, as soon as you even have a second person. Sure. And I watched this with Giselle was eager to watch this with me. And she literally said to me this morning, she was like, boy, if I if I wasn't going to be busy at the time, I would talk on this podcast with you. And I was like, you son of a, how could you do that? Why wouldn't oh, you tell me this? Man. For but, real, we could have planned around her. Damn. Right. We could have. Yeah. But I will tell you that, you know, she was cracking up at times. I was cracking up at times. And sometimes I was cracking up because she was cracking up. And we watched this movie at least five to ten times together. Wow. And it's just one of those movies that it's like, oh, we haven't watched this in a while. You know what? Let's do it again. Yeah. And I really do think, you know, like I said, uh, and I've said it a million times already, it rewards repeat viewing. All right. But beyond that, it's just also, this movie does a good job of so subverting your expectations. And I feel like that's a phrase that's become very popular now in almost a bad way where you're like, you know, subverting expectation for the sake of it can be very frustrating i know people feel that way about some movies yeah um you know I, f I feel like there was a lot of discussion of that with star wars and the the very toxic fandom around star wars during the most recent trilogy yeah but this movie does such a perfect job and again i cannot stress enough how much we are spoiling so please please go <laughs> watch the movie we both like it even if we're not both gonna say it's a movie to watch before you die which i'm predicting we're not both going to say that this point. <laughs> but this movie does such a good job of painting an entirely realistic scenario that would have made far more logical sense of why these people were being killed and then pulls that rug out from under you in such a hilariously stupid way. It paints this great job of this real estate and the way that this real estate bypass was going to ruin the town and all these people were in on it and the way that they were stopping them and the very obvious red herring of Simon Skinner who felt like he it paints him as the obvious villain the whole time. And I think it almost subverts your expectation there too, in the sense that, oh, of course he is one of the villains, but he's just not the only one. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's funny. It was like when all of that became under, uh, uncovered and they were like, oh, like this real estate thing and this person knew and that person knew and they were going to sell their store and whatever. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, the movie's almost over. And then I was like, wait a second, hold on. That's not, that's not what's happening now. All of a sudden, like I was like, oh, okay, wow. This movie was quick. And then it's like, wait a second. Oh, wait, none of that matters at all. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Why did they die? And I think Nick literally says these people died for no reason at all. And it's almost <laughs> almost entirely true. Like, I think, you know, one of these people is killed because of how annoying a laugh she has. Yeah. And the 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 um, living statue. I love the living statue. And I'm trying not to, like, just curse my mind off and be like, I believe 
but love the living statue <laughs> because not only is it hysterical each time they bring it up, like the fact that the guy has the photos and he's like 9 a.m. photo one living statue <laughs> and he does it several times and obviously it's the same every time. But when you see the living statue and again, spoilers, I cannot stress the spoilers. When you see the living statue dead in the exact same position, it cracks me up every time. And I know it's yeah. coming and I'm still dying seeing his stupid face the way it is. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I mean, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, the other scene I was going to bring up that cracks me up every time is the first scene where he's in the bar and he is kicking out the underage patrons. Uh huh. As soon as he gets hit by the glare from that kid's braces, I know I'm about to start laughing. <laughs> but I'm sorry, and I he- cut you off. No, no, no. I was just going to say, the more that you bring up these very specific scenes, the more I'm like, damn, maybe I should watch this again now that I have like an understanding of what it's going to be, because it it is so silly and so funny. And I I just love like the swan callback. I think it's hilarious. Oh, my God. How great is that? So good. And I didn't realize the name of the hotel is the swan. Oh, there is a swan that is just outside of his room, a statue of a swan. Is there some symbolism behind that? I don't think so, but it's just there. And I'm like, okay, yeah. the swan captures the villain at the end. <laughs> yep. Which is great. That's my favorite. Um, and I love at the end what the last scene, I think it's him and Danny in the car together. And they like, you know, they're like, all right, let's turn up the heat. And it's like, it's like a nothing call. They're like, oh, there's uh, been a, a slight disturbance or something. And they like floor it and they're doing all this crazy, like police driving Full burnout. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I, I I'm honestly I can't think of a thing I don't like about this movie. And, you know, who are, you know, every character in this movie is great. But two characters that I love, too, who also have a nice romantic relationship, the Andes. Oh, the yeah. Andes <laughs> adore each other. And I love them. I think they're hysterical. Yeah. And it's one of my favorite shots in any movie, but definitely in this movie is when the Andes are going out of frame and. There's one in the foreground and one in the background and they both start to leave. And the one in the foreground leaves the frame. And then for, for no reason, he just comes back into frame just so that you can have like a little musical sting. And it's so stupid. There's that. And there's a quick gag where they're all drinking together and both the Andes have mustaches, but the one Andy has this huge mustache and he's got beer all in his mustache, the foam of it. Yep. And Nick tries to tell him you got a mustache and all indignant. He goes, I know. (laughs) Now I definitely don't want to keep just quoting this movie. Because I could do that, which speaks to another thing that I find very important, quotability. Sure. Which I do think this is a highly quotable movie the more times you see it. I'm just saying. Well, I think that's the ticket, the more times you see it. Because I came into this conversation like there weren't really any great lines that I can think of off the top of my head. But I think you have the um, multiple watch advantage. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. And I also, I almost forgot to bring it up. There's one other major connection to a previous movie we've watched now i know it's already a while ago and you hated it so i'm sure you haven't watched it since you didn't hate <laughs> it, but raiders of the lost ark yep there's a connection in this movie to raiders of the lost ark that i never realized but i i realized it while i was watching this time obviously you notice the character the reverend in this one right mm-hmm. who has a great moment of screaming out jesus christ's name when he's injured yeah that reverend is belloc from raiders of the lost ark no yes and i had no idea but i just caught that when i was like on imdb and could not believe it wow that's crazy i've never in a million years but i guess that he's only in that one scene right it's very quick or he's also in the the church again this is why i think it's definitely worth rewatching because you'll notice he's in a lot of scenes and not only that 
everyone who is in on it, the village society, you see them at so many other times and you just like, you, you're not thinking about it yet. Yeah. And the first, one of the best moments I can think of, and again, it's visual storytelling and it's, you know, one of those moments where I'm talking about, it'll reward you on a rewatch. Uh, it does this montage of the first time he is waking up in the hotel and going through the city. And it does two things. It's playing the song. We are the village green preservation society which I think it's the kinks. I'm not sure, but that doesn't really matter. But they're playing the song, which for obvious reasons now. And not only that, each person that he's passing by who's saying hello, Sergeant Angel to him is one of the people who's going to be one of the members of the evil for the greater good society. Yeah. Which is another thing that feels more more prescient in 2022 that you have all these people who are for the greater good, but it's really only for their greater good. Right. Like this is not for the greater good of the majority of the people, but they're like, oh no. Sanford is perfect for us now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely got like that dystopian, eerie sort of like, what the hell are these people doing? And obviously uh, very fitting for the, you know, modern day, which is so interesting because one thing I I didn't really think about or look up is when this movie was from. Um, And honestly, it felt like it could have been from any time. It felt very timeless. It could have been from the late nineties, the mid two thousands could have been much more recent. Um, Is that a compliment? yeah, I mean, it's okay. timeless. Like, it didn't, it didn't feel dated or aged or <laughs> okay, like that's good. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, yeah, I really liked it, and I think you're right. I think it requires a couple of more uh, rewatches to kind of really fully absorb all of the moments because it's obviously very fast paced. Um, oh, yeah. There's a lot of like visual things. There's a lot of like quick one liners, um, and I think the more you watch it, the more you probably catch those things. Obviously. Um, but I enjoyed it. I think even if I watched it 10 more times, I could quote it all day. I loved it. I thought it was great. I still don't know that I'd call it a movie to watch before you die. Now I'm willing, I'm willing to revisit after maybe two more watches, but I can't tell you when that's going to be. I'm like on the brink of a clockwork orange like just making you sit with your eyes forcibly open and being like watch it watch it again you will learn to love this movie <laughs> you know what's another thing that's great about this movie i'm just, I'm just gonna keep i'll keep saying things go. that are great all day let's go based on how great a copnick is he doesn't kill a single one of the bad guys every I single person that he that. shoots at the end he makes sure that he takes down in a peaceful way even the old lady, he kicks in the face directly, <laughs> which is yeah. just goddamn hysterical every time. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there are no fatalities. Um, I think they it's all interesting. Get, I, I'm sorry. They all get. I was just going to say, they all get arrested in the end. They're, none of them are dead. Yeah. The only one who seems to feel bad about it is uh, the hound from Game of Thrones. He, he He's crying a little bit. <laughs> you feel yeah. you feel a little bad for him. He's got the mind of a child. Yarp. Yarp. Yeah. Narp? Um. <laughs> But it's funny. It's I, I I feel like you couldn't tell me anything bad about this movie. It just yeah. couldn't it couldn't fulfill like one little checkbox, I feel like. And that's the only reason that I don't know. I feel like I could try and fight you all day on this. And obviously, I think you're entrenched in your place by this point. But I'm like, come on. I just <laughs> think like me and maybe we have different definitions of movies to watch before you die. But I just think that it is. 
And, and maybe this is worth discussing, right? When I think about a movie to watch before you die, something you have to see before you die, I think it has to, it has to like impact you in a meaningful way. And I don't necessarily mean that it has to like teach you a lesson or, or evoke some huge emotional response. I just think that like on my deathbed, my life will be the same, whether I've seen this movie or not. First of all, that's a very high bar. No, <laughs> I, I don't know any movie that on my deathbed, I'm going to be like, Giselle, step back. I have to think of this movie. <laughs> I will say, though, this movie did bring you something, Gab. It brought you joy. It did bring me joy. It I'll give you that. Love, it brought me humor. joy. It, it's it good brought for your me... soul. <laughs> <laughs> it was good. It was good. Um, I, I, like I said, I wouldn't turn it off if it were coming on TV. So that's where I stand. I'm sorry that we disagree. Uh, maybe next week. I gotta be honest. I was so prepared too. I like I had already, I was ready to download Ode to Joy. I was gonna put that in there once I was like, <laughs> we both think it's a movie to watch before you die. And like, you know, we have to postpone the celebration now. It seems. Yeah, yeah. I had, I, had, well, I know the view. The, I, the listeners can't see it. I had balloons prepared to drop from the ceiling on our Zoom call. <laughs> I, ha, I have a cake over in the corner over there. Oh, it's it's it. just gonna get if wasted I knew there was now. Cake. It's just gonna sit oh, there. Yeah. Damn it. We uh we will agree at some point. We will agree at some point. What I do love, and we don't have a ton of time left, but what I do love is that we are currently not throwing around like no one's mentioned the Godfather. No one is talking about like you know any any sort of like critically acclaimed. Like I don't need Rolling Stone to tell me it's a movie to watch before I die. Like this is these are movies that are important to you and I, and I love that. Um, and I kind of want to continue in that vein because the obvious movies are obvious, right? So we're going to keep pulling on movies that we appreciate individually, that we admire, whether we've both seen them, we neither of us have seen them, and um, keep this conversation going. So next week, it's my pick. Yes. Do you have it picked out already? Um, I'm I'm torn between a few. So you and I will talk about that offline, and, and okay. it'll be a surprise. For us and the listener. Exactly. I, I do think, and you know, you hit it right, I, I don't think either one of us wants to go with like the standard cinephile you know, movie store before you die. We're not, I don't, you know, I don't think we're ever going to do an episode about Citizen Kane or. Thank God. I hate that movie. The Godfather. Well, that's not a discussion for right now. I, you know, it's great for, the, <laughs> for what it is. But, you know, those are movies that people know are classics or things like that. You know, if we, if we wanted to do that, you could just look up movies that have won Oscars and things like that. Right. But I, I think it's talking about movies that people wouldn't realize are great. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. That's that's what I think this should be about. So we will keep that coming. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Let us know if you think Hot Fuzz is a movie to watch before you die. You can reach us at movies to watch before you die at gmail.com. And yes. we'll be back next week. Or you can check us out at anchor.fm slash movies to watch. Thanks for All listening. Right. Bye. He's appointing himself judge, jury and executioner. He's not judge, Judy and executioner. He is.